Hey there, this is Pastor Corey, and welcome to the Branch Life Podcast. After you're done listening, I invite you to connect with us at branchlife.church to make sure you're up to date with everything going on at Branch Life. Want to share what you heard today? Subscribe to our YouTube channel and share this video with someone you want to encourage. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope that this presentation helps you connect with Christ and challenges you to reach those around you with the good news of Jesus. Hey, welcome to Branch Life Online. We're in week three of our rhythm series, and my name is Josh. I'm one of the pastors at Branch Life. We are so glad that you're worshiping with us today, and we want to invite you to connect. Would you fill out a connection card uh, at branchlife.church or hit the link right next to this chat screen where you're watching with us today? We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to know uh, that you worshiped with us. Whether this is your first time or you're with us every time, that connection card is a great way to stay connected in this season. We hope that your 2021 has been a good one so far. We'd love to connect with you and pray with you through that card. We're leaning into our rhythm series today and we're talking talking about why the church is an essential part of our weekly rhythm and how you can stay connected and how you can have a better 2021 by being a part of the church rhythms. It's essential for your faith and uh, for the rest of your year. Thank you to those of you that connect on a regular basis and who give. Your generosity makes what we do possible and God is doing great things. If you'd like to connect, if you'd like to give, you can go to branchlife.church give at any time and uh, give to God through that link and that online portal. Well, we're gonna worship together today through song, through reading the Bible, and then learning about God's word. And we hope that this will be something that strengthens your connection to Christ as we reach our world. Thanks again for joining us. Let's worship together. Well, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Acts 2 and 1 Corinthians 13. Actually, today, we're going to run through a lot of different scripture because we're talking about a big topic that is uh, threaded through our Bibles. If you're worshiping today with us online, you are drastically affected by the topic we're talking about. We're talking about our church rhythms. And this pandemic, this season, our church rhythms have completely changed. No matter who you are, no matter where you are, worship looks differently together now than it did a year ago. And this has been a challenge for a lot of us. We feel disconnected. We feel separated. We feel like it's, it's uh, maybe doesn't even count. But maybe this is an opportunity for us to reset our rhythms. Let's look a little bit about what, remind ourselves what worship has looked like over this past year. We have found ourselves worshiping together from all of our living rooms. We've worshiped outside as a church together. We've done some online recordings, including what you're watching now. We've had to worship uh, during sunsets, snowstorms, sunrises, rainstorms, and we've gathered together in smaller groups in our living rooms. At Branch Life, we've worshiped in a total of nine different locations over the last two years, nine different locations, and many of those during this pandemic season. Right now, we have a group that's meeting in a gymnasium on Sunday mornings, as well as a group in a fellowship hall and several groups in living rooms. We're looking forward to the completion of our new campus where we can start gathering together in the same room at the same time. But what this has taught us or what opportunity this gives us is a chance to ask ourselves, what is the church and why does the church matter? This idea of worship is not our idea. This rhythm of church is not something that man has created. It is essential to our spiritual health. 
And we want to remind ourselves of what that is. And this season, this pause, this pandemic might give us just that opportunity to say, hey, what is the church? This is a massive question that we need to answer together. What is the church? And we're going to see in a moment that most people answer that question wrong. We want to look at the question, why do we need the church? What's the point? And, and frankly, many people have just given up on the church altogether. The statistics show that over the last nine months, one out of every three regular church goers has just completely stopped. They're not worshiping online. They're not worshiping in person. It's just not happening. Are they finding that they don't need it, that it's not important, that it's not necessary? Or is this something that is essential to our lives? And then the third question we want to ask is, how can I love the church? Of course, if we're going to commit to this rhythm, this should be something that we love to do. And the Bible talks very specifically about this one question. So lean in today. The church has been a massive part of my life. And I love my church. I've dedicated my life to the church. And, and I believe that the church can be an important thing in your life. Not, not just something, but essential for life. And we're going to learn together what God has done by instituting this thing called the church. So first, let's take a little bit of a pop quiz. I know we all love pop quizzes. Here's your chance. Answers A through F in this multiple choice question. What is the church? Is it A, a building? B, a worship service? Is it a denomination, an institute, a community of Christ followers, or is it all of the above? Take a moment, go ahead and answer that question. Don't show the people around you what you've answered, but let's just talk about all of these things. You'll often see people referring to the church as a building. I am going to church. What a beautiful church. People will talk about the church in that way. A lot of times you'll say, uh, how, what time does church start? Usually they're referring then to a worship service. Denominations are known as types of churches. What's the Lutheran church or the Catholic church or the Baptist church? An institution, an organization that's been set up uh, that covers a church, a church, a network of churches, a community of Christ followers. People will call uh, groups of people church people. And then finally, maybe it's all of those things. This question what is the church? When you ask it, most people get it wrong. And I just want to pause here for a second because this is extremely important. If you don't understand what a church is, then you probably don't understand why you should be involved. And we all come to the idea of church with some pre-packaged thoughts. We think we know what the church is because it's what we've experienced and what we've known. And in our American culture today, we have a very different idea than, say, someone who goes to church in another country like China or in South America. We have a very different idea of what church is than maybe people did a couple of generations ago or even in Bible times. So it's important that we set aside our preconceived ideas of church and we look to see what God says the church is and then talk about how that fits into today. So how did you answer this question, what is the church? Did you pick A, B, C, D, E, or F? Remember, most people get this wrong. The correct answer is E. The Bible teaches very clearly that the church is not a building. It's not a worship service with a few songs and a sermon on Sundays. It's not a denomination or an institution. It's not uh, all of the above. It is very specifically a community of Christians. 
The church is made up of Christians. We are the church. We don't go to church. We don't attend the church. As a matter of fact, I would say stop going to church and start being the church because it is a community of Christ followers that is open to all people, that is, that is uh, uh, reaching out to our neighbors and our friends, but is made up of those who follow Christ. So here's five things that every, everyone needs to know about the church, and these five things all come from Scripture. Number one, the church is a body. It's a family. It's a community. It's a team. And I love these terms, body, family, and team. Body and family come right out of God's word. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, in a few moments, we're going to be in this section of scripture together. But it says this, now you are the body of Christ, talking to the church, and individual members of it. And God has appointed in the church, first apostles, second prophet, third teachers. The Bible teaches us that the church is a body, it is you are one part of many members of that body, and the body functions together for a singular purpose. Every part playing an important role so that we can continue on to do what God has called us to do. The Bible also talks to us as believers, as family members. That's why often in churches you'll hear someone call a, a, a friend brother or a, a girl sister. I might even refer to the pastor as Father, it's a family relationship that we have within the church. And again, a family is many different parts that all serve different purposes, play different roles, but yet are equally important. I like to refer to the, the church as a team. And a team brings together the same idea. You have the different players on the field. And yes, there's a coach who's a part of the team. There's people cheering. There's people that are, are throwing the ball. There's defenders. And it's all moving towards the same goal. You see, we're a community together. So we need to know this. You, when you're a part of the church, are an essential member of the body. You need the church but the church needs you, and we work together as a unit. That's why Satan is out there working really hard to divide us, to keep us apart, to not allow us to come together, because we don't work as well when we're not together. Second thing we need to know is the church exists to help people know and follow Jesus. Uh, Matthew chapter 28 says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to do everything I have commanded. When Jesus gave this, this instruction, he was giving it to his disciples who then went and started to build the church. And he, he was giving us our marching orders. When you follow Jesus, you exist to help people know and follow God. In other words, why is there a body? Why is there a family or a team? What's our goal? What's our win? What's our prize? It's helping more people know and follow Jesus. So why would I be a part of a church? You're a part of a church to help more people know and follow Jesus. The church is less about you and more about others. The church as a group works together to help people know and follow Jesus. Our main drive as Christ followers, our main passion should be seeing other people know and follow Jesus. Let me pause here for a moment and give you a, a, a picture that might help. When I say the word school, what do you think of? 
For me, I immediately think of where I went to school. I think of my school building where I had a teacher and we came together as a class and we were taught something and a teacher gave all of the class the information, we ingested it and then we graduated and went on to what was next. And when we left the school, we were done with it. Now, that's what I think of when I think of school. What if you said, what's a school to a fish? or a fisherman. You see, a fish looks at a school very differently. A fish doesn't think of school as a building where we learn things, but a school of partners traveling through life together. You see, a school of fish are, are an extended family. They're a body, they're a team that travels through life together and they need one another. They protect each other from predators. They help each other survive and gain sustenance and food. And a school of fish works in tandem and you never graduate from that school. You're always a part of that school and you're always better when you are together. You see, one of the things we get confused as a church in our culture is we think of the church like we think of our high schools. But the church is not a place where we come and sit and just learn and then graduate from and leave. No, it is more like a school of fish where we come together and we do life together. We protect each other, we feed each other, we travel through life together. The reason we do that is to help more people come to be a part of the school, to help more people come and be a part of the church. Our existence, our teamwork, our body exists to help people know Jesus. When you're a follower of Jesus and you grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus, your end goal is to add people to the church, is to build up the church and to help more people to be excited about being a part of the church because we know that we're then better together. Now, the third thing everyone needs to know about the church is the church is Jesus's plan A. The church is Jesus's plan. It's not something that we invented, men, women. We didn't just come up with this idea and say, you know what, we're gonna create this thing called the church. No, in Matthew chapter 16, it says, I, Jesus, will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. This is Jesus's idea. And when you follow Jesus, you, you think his ideas then are pretty important. God has set up the church for us now today. It's his plan, and it's his plan A for saving the world. He says the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The church is on offense, storming the gates of hell to save people. And so the church exists to attack the forces of darkness. The church exists to help and save our world. It's God's plan A. God's plan A for saving the world is not politicians. God's plan A for saving the world is not business or money or finance. God's plan A for saving the world is not new technology. God's plan A for saving the world is the church. This is God's idea. And if it's important to God, it should be important to me. Now here's the last two things we want you to know this morning, and it's this. When the church gathers, it matters. So if the church is not a building, if the church is not a worship service, why do we get together so often? Why do we have a worship service? Why do we have buildings where we meet in? Because one of the things the church does is we gather, and it's essential to who we are. In Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25, it says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, 
not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. This idea of gathering is essential to who we are, because imagine if we called ourselves a community, but we never saw one another. Imagine if we called ourselves a team, but we never practiced together. We never actually got on the field together. Imagine if we called ourselves a body, but we were never connected. You see, the gathering connects us to one another, and it's essential that connection point. It puts the community in community. And we gather together to do some very, very important things. And that's our fifth thing that you need to know about the church. Church gatherings build the essential faith rhythms of worship, fellowship, generosity, and evangelism, to name a few. So in Acts chapter 2, in verse 42 and 47, the church was just starting. It was brand new, and a few thousand people had just gotten saved, and, and God had implemented the church, and church leaders were forming and starting new churches where there were community of Christians, and these churches were trying to figure out what church does, and they started to gather, and here's what it says they did. The Bible says they devoted themselves, one, to the apostles' teaching, to Jesus' words, to the fellowship, to community with one another, to the breaking of bread and of prayers. That's, that's what they did when they got together. And so when we gather together as a church, those are our rhythms. We have rhythms of worship, where we pray together, where we look at the, the teachings of the Bible together, where we have communion together, where we pray together. Those become essential, a part of our lives. And extremely powerful. And then the Bible goes on and it says they were selling all their possessions and their belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as they had need. They started practicing this rhythm of generosity and of giving to one another and to anyone who had need. And the, the result was praising God and we praise God. And, and having favor with all people, they were good neighbors. The Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Why, why does the church gathering matter? Because when we gather together, these essential faith rhythms get built. We become better at them. We, we become stronger because of them. And we connect in our community. So as we've looked together at what, what five things we all need to know about the church, maybe we now start to realize that church is more than a building. It's more than a service that we attend. It's more than a denomination or an institution. It's a community of believers that come together for the purpose of doing life together so that more people will come to know and follow Christ. And God has set this up as his plan. That's what the church is. Now we have a second question that we're asking ourselves. Why, why do we need the church? Why do we need the church? And, and let me just preface this thought. A lot of people think that they don't need the church. I was, I was hearing a story of a young lady, and now listen, I'm a pastor, and so when I go out and about and I talk to people and they say, who are you, what do you do? I say, well, my name is Josh, I'm a pastor at Branch Life Church, 
they feel the need to explain to me why they do or do not attend church. I, I don't want people to feel that pressure. If you and I would meet out in the street, please, you don't feel like you need to explain to me why you do or don't go to church. And we hear all kinds of reasons why people are not a part of a church. And most recently, we had a discussion with a young lady who said, oh, you're a pastor. Oh, I, I don't go to church because nature is my church. I go out in the woods to feel closer to God, and, and that's how I, I connect with God on that level. Oh, I'm so glad that you connect with God in nature. Now, here's the problem with that. That's not the church. That's not God's plan for how we connect to Him. That's not how we grow together spiritually. And so many people think that they can do spiritual life apart from the church. And there's a lot of reasons for that. But let's zone back into why we need the church. And here's the first thing I want to point out. Jesus himself committed to community. Jesus himself committed to community. Jesus went about the task of calling 12 disciples to himself. And those 12 disciples, plus a whole other group of disciples, then spent day in and day out together doing the work of ministry. And Jesus was committed to this. Listen, do you think Jesus could have done his thing by himself? Absolutely, he's God. No, he brought other people into the community and they schooled together. They were a team together. They were a body together doing the work that God had called them to do. And that was helping more people know and follow Jesus. And so they did that together. Jesus was committed to it and it was his plan A, the 12. And Jesus himself walked hand in hand with this group. It was kind of the first church. Now, what happened after Jesus left? Well, Jesus' disciples then committed their lives to the church. In response to learning, knowing, and following Jesus, what did every single one of his disciples do? They spent their life building the church. They started churches all over the known world. They died for those churches. They taught those churches. They encouraged those churches. They loved those churches. They began community of believers in every city that they went to. They believed that God wanted them to be committed to the church. They were in desperate need of the church, and they believed that the world needed the church. In Galatians chapter 1 and verse 2, in Paul's discussion, he simply says this, all the brothers who are with me to the churches of Galatians. In other words, there was one city that had many churches. And these churches were all essential and started. And as many communities of, church, of Christians that were needed were beginning in those towns. Just like that in America today, many of our towns have multiple churches. And a lot of people say, why don't we just have one big church in our town? Hey, I'm being in favor of one big church if it worked and if it was practical. But the truth of the matter is there are so many people and in order to stay connected, we often need multiple churches. And these churches start and are follow the biblical teaching of what a church is and are built up so that more people can come to know Christ. The more churches, the better. And there are not enough churches for the people that need to know and hear about Jesus. The disciples knew that. The disciples were committed to building the church. And as followers of Jesus, so should we. We need the church and our world needs the church. So 
what why do we need the church? Well, here's the bottom line. We are better disciples when we're together. We're better disciples when we're together. Why was Jesus committed to community? Why were the disciples committed to building a church? Because we're better when we're together. Look at Acts chapter 2, 42 verse 45. We mentioned this verse earlier. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and of prayers. That's what they needed to do, and they did that better together. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing all their processes, uh, all that they had to the need. To the needy. Listen, together they did a better job at providing for people around them who had need. Just this week, uh, we heard of uh, a friend of a friend who's just fallen on hard times, has some medical problems, and desperately needs support and help. And so they've reached out to the church to help this young man. Why? Because we can do more for him than one single family could. As a community, we can do more together. We are, at Branch Life Church, we like to say, better together. You are a better follower of Christ when you're together with the church. You're better at worship. Now, I can say that I can go for a walk in the woods, and that's my worship time. But when I'm in a regular pattern of gathering together for worship, I regularly worship God, and my worship is better. Our worship is louder, our worship is stronger, and the Bible says where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there. We're able to be together in the presence of God and lift our hearts and minds and spirits to Him. Our worship is better when we're together. We are better at Bible knowledge when we're getting instruction and training and learning from God's Word, like we are in these very moments. We now know more about who God is, what He wants, and what He commands us to do. We're better at serving others. We're better at caring for one another. One of the strengths of the church is that we're there to care for other people in times of need and we're there to celebrate in times of victory. And in these moments, the church comes around one another and we're able to wrap our arms around each other. In my most difficult moments, the church was there for me. My brothers and sisters in Christ are able to lift us up. And so we commit ourselves to this community. That's why at Branch Life Church, we believe in large worship gatherings, but we also are committed to small groups where you can do life together, where you can do one-on-one -on -one together and you can know and care and walk with each other through hard times and then celebrate with each other through, uh, through great times. I just celebrated my father's 80th birthday and my son's 8th birthday. They're on the same day. The day my son turned 8, my dad turned 80. And we celebrated that together. And the church has joined in on that celebration in our social media and in our pages, the whole church is celebrating these guys' birthday because we're better at celebrating together. And we, we are better givers, better prayers. There's been seasons in my life where prayer was the last thing on my mind, but because I gathered together with my church, I had seasons of prayer that I wouldn't have done on my own. We are better followers of Christ when we're together. That's part of the reason God designed the church we are better at making disciples when we're together. If our main passion is seeing other people come to Christ, what's the most effective way to do that? Together with the church. Acts chapter 2, verses 46 to 47, that second half. Having favor with all the people. So the church is, is a good neighbor. And our community should want our church, our community of Christians to be there. They should know what we're for. They should know that we love them. They should know that we care and we give God's love to our neighbors. And when we love our neighbors, we gain favor with our neighbors.
And so we, we proclaim Jesus, and that's exactly what the early church did. And then the Lord adds their number day by day, those who are being saved. Listen, I have a dream for Branch Life Church. This is my passion, that we will someday see baptisms happening every week we're together. I can't wait for that moment that we are regularly in our worship gatherings seeing someone get baptized each and every Sunday, each and every celebration day. And we would just have a line of people ready and waiting to get baptized. And it just is something that we celebrate over and over and over. I want us to be like the Acts Church where God is adding to our number day by day. How do we do that? We do that together. We do that together as a church where we are passionately loving our neighbors, gaining favor with our neighbors, and introducing them to Jesus so that they know and follow him. I want your family to know Jesus. I want your neighbors to know Jesus, your co-workers, your teammates, my family, my neighbors, my co-workers, my teammates to know Jesus, and we can do that together. We pray for, invest in, and invite others to come to Christ. And then when they get baptized, we have the biggest party we are able to have. Imagine that weekly celebration of baptisms and singing songs of praise to God who is so good for us because we know that we need the church and our world needs the church. So we gather together and we, we see people get saved, yes, in one-on-one -on -one conversations. Yes, they get saved at worship gatherings. Yes, they get saved at special events. The important part is, yes, they are getting saved and they're following Jesus. They're following the name of Jesus and they're learning to grow deeper in their walk with Jesus. The mark of a mature follower of Jesus is that they are multipliers, that they reproduce. And we wanna be a church that reproduces leaders, disciples, and churches. Is what we want to be about, and we do that better together. So Acts chapter 2 says that we're better together. We're better neighbors. We're better witnesses. When, when we don't have the answer to the question, we can team together with our group, with our pastors, with our elders, with our small group leaders, with our brothers and sisters in Christ. We're better servers. We can come together. We can do more together than we do by ourselves, and we are a brighter light. You know, I, I love the picture of light and salt in the Bible, and it tells us that we should be light and salt. And think about one light and how bright that one light can be. Well, how do you make one light brighter? You add a second light. How do you make those two lights brighter? You add a third and a fourth. And the more lights that come together, the brighter we shine. And may our church be a bonfire for Jesus Christ. May we be a beacon that draw people to the knowledge of the Lord Jesus. And we are brighter together. Are you ready to change the world? Are you ready to see people come and know Jesus? Are you ready to transform hearts and minds? Pour your life into the church so that we can be brighter together. How can I then love my church? Now listen, here's a serious challenge and a serious question. Church is hard for many people and for many reasons. Hey, we all bring our thoughts of what church is into church. And for many of us, we have hurt. We have heartache. We have disappointment. We've been let down by people in the church, that people said they love God, by, by pastors, by other churches, by other organizations, by something that we thought was a church that really wasn't a church. Now, all of those are real and legitimate, and all of those are used by Satan to divide us. And if you're a follower of Christ and you're genuinely asking this question, how can I love my church? I want you to, to be open to how God can answer this. 
For many, their church is something that they love. And it's passionately important to their lives. I love my church. I love the relationships that we have. I love the way that we work together. And I just want more people to be a part of it and to know it and to love God through it. But for others, that's, that's hard. And I want to tell you today that God is calling you to be all in with church. He's, he's instructing you to be a part of it. It is not optional. And, and yes, you need to be a part of a Bible church. What the Bible calls, there's lots of buildings with the word church on it, and they have nothing to do with what God said the church should be. And so you want to look for a church that's, that's biblically sound, that's connecting to the culture, and that's making disciples. You want to make sure that you're a part of that church. And there's a lot of churches to pick from, but, but that's what you want to be a part of, is that kind of church, the kind of church we're talking about today. And when you are a part of that kind of church, God says to be all in. It's not optional. And you don't want to do something that you don't love to do. So how can you love the church? Well, look at this. When God calls us to be all in with this church, he is calling us to be in love with the church. So I want to point you to this passage today, and we're going to close with this thought. But this is an extremely important thought. If you have your Bibles, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And if you are someone who's new to Scripture, this may not jump out as, as uh, an important passage. But if you know the Bible or you've grown up in the church you know immediately about 1 Corinthians chapter 13 because 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is the love chapter. This is the chapter in the Bible where God gives us a deep theology lesson about love. And this gets read at weddings. This gets read at anniversaries and special occasions. And it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verse 4, love is patient, love is kind. Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but it rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things. Love believes all things. Love hopes in all things and endures all things. So let me ask you this question. Why does God talk about love in 1 Corinthians 13? What's the context? What's, what's the point? Why does this even come up? It's rich. It's powerful. It's a big, big, important passage on love. It, why? why? Why bring it up? You know, he's not talking to couples in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. He's not talking to husbands and wives or boyfriends or girlfriends. He's not talking to, to children and their parents. He's not talking about any of those things. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we have an entire chapter dedicated to spiritual gifts. And he's making the point that everyone who has received Jesus as their personal Savior has received spiritual gifts. And these gifts are to be used within the body of Christ. And so Jesus is talking to the body of Christ. And in this church, in the church of Corinth, their body was broken. It was divided. They were fighting with each other. They weren't using the gifts like they should. And they were not loving each other like they should. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he's, he's starting to remind them about their mission and their purpose. And in verse 30 in chapter 12, he says, Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongue? Do all interpret? Question mark, question mark. But earnestly desire the higher gifts. And I will show you still 
a more excellent way. He's talking about miracles and prophecy and speaking in tongues and how these had powerful parts in the starting of the church. And he said, those things are amazing. Wouldn't it be amazing to see miracles and to hear prophecy? Wouldn't it be amazing to hear directly from God? And, and that's cool and that's awesome. But I'm going to tell you something that's even better. Something that's more excellent. And then he goes into love. And he says, all of that stuff will pass away. But love never fails. And he says, church, community, body, team, love one another. He wants us to love one another in this way. He's talking to the church. So he says, love your church patiently. Love your church with kindness. Don't be envy or boast. Don't be arrogant with your church. Don't be rude. Don't insist on your own way. Don't be irritable or resentful with your church. Don't rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoice in the truth. He says, bear all things, believe all things, hope all things, and endure all things. That's the more excellent way. And then in chapter 14, as he sums up the whole thing in verse 1, he says this, pursue love, run after love, reach for love, work towards love, and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, those things that, that, that God has given you at the moment of salvation, so that why? Why talk about gifts? Why talk about love? So that the church may be built up. He wants you to love your church and to serve your church in the only way that you can so that the church will be built up. So here's the question. How can I love my church like that? How can I adore my church like he tells us to do in 1 Corinthians 13? He tells us to simply choose love. We're supposed to choose it. We're supposed to decide and say, I love my church. And it's not how good the worship is or how good the singers sing or, or how incredible the preacher preaches. It's not about that event. It's not about how pretty the building is or how amazing our traditions are. It's not about any of those things. It's about a choice that we make to choose to love God's plan and God's people and to love one another. We choose it and we have to choose it over and over and over and over again. We gotta be patient and kind and forgiving and gentle. We've gotta not keep record of wrongs. We just choose love. Now here's the danger. Don't let hurt divide. Don't let hurt keep you from your church. Don't let it keep you from your school, from your team. But overcome hurt with love. We don't go to church to hide. We don't go to church to, to sit and to sponge. We're not an audience at a show. We are a team together on mission. And we love one another. And we love to gather together. So, God 
calls us to go all in. Now, here's the promise that I want to make for you. And maybe you've separated from the church. Maybe you've, you've distanced yourself from the church. Maybe you're understanding what the church is for the first time here. And let me encourage you with this thought. If you decide in 2021 to go all in with the church, and there's no perfect church, so whatever church you go all in with, it's going to have mistakes. It's going to have bumps in the road. When you go all in with that church in 2021, then God always provides. God always provides provides. And some of you have, have stepped away from your home church. You're, you're listening to this broadcast because you're distant from the church that you came from. Some of you are distant from our church. You've disconnected because of the pandemic or, or for a variety of other reasons. Let me call you to reconnect with your church. And in this season, it may look different. We may be online a little bit more. We may be in groups a little bit more. But we still are going to connect. We're going to gather in the way that is most appropriate in our culture today. And I want you to commit to that connection because I believe that God will provide for you if you do. In Genesis chapter 22, it tells the story of Abraham and Isaac. And God called Abraham to be all in and to sacrifice his own son. God said, I want you to, to demonstrate your faith in me, and I want you to sacrifice your own son. And Abraham, through the pains of that request, takes his son, and he takes him to the top of the mountain, and he prepares that moment of sacrifice, believing that God would provide all along the way. And he had faith in God. He heard directly from God. And God said, sacrifice your son. And he brings his son up on the altar, and he's getting to that moment where he's willing to sacrifice his own son. And in the midst of that motion, to sacrifice his son, God yells, stop. And in that moment, he knew that Abraham was all in. He said, don't offer your son as a sacrifice. Look up. And over in the thicket, God had provided a ram that was caught in the thicket. And he said, instead, I want you to sacrifice that ram. I'm providing for you the sacrifice that will be appropriate in this moment, in this season. And God provided for Abraham the right sacrifice in the right moment. And Isaac and Abraham were able to then thrive as they walked together with God. God provides when we go all in. God is calling you to be a part of the church, to be a part of the body, to be a part of the team. And it's time to go all in. And God will provide for you when you make that step when you give yourself, you alter yourself, offer yourself on the, on the altar of sacrifice to God and say, God, I'm here. I'm here to be used by you. I want to be a part of your plan. I'm ready to follow your lead. I'm ready to go all in with your church. And in 2020, 2021, if you do that, if you go all in with the church, God will provide. We've seen it over and over and over again in the lives of believers and the lives of Christians. When you sacrifice and give yourself to God, he provides for you. You will not regret being a part of a church that's biblically sound, connecting culturally, and that makes disciples. That will be a church where you will be stronger together and you'll be used by God to see more people come to Christ. You'll be a part of people being baptized each and every week if God would enable us to see that dream come true. When God goes all, when we go all in, God always provides. So do you have a faith rhythm with your church? Are you in that rhythm? Now, let's recognize our rhythms are broken during this season. And so if you're someone who has to be COVID conscious, maybe your rhythm includes online family worship. 
But are you committed to that rhythm? Do you protect that time? Do you focus in in those moments? Do you fill out your connection card so that your pastors can know that you're connecting in those moments? Get into that rhythm and be committed to it. Do you attend the gym? Do you go to the red site? Are you a part of a worship group? Do you have a rhythm where you're connecting with your small group? Whether they meet in Zoom or whether they're in a hybrid session right now. What is your worship rhythm? And then as soon as it's appropriate, are you ready to re-engage with your church? And to regularly be a part of that rhythm of worship, that essential gathering and that community that's on mission for God. In 2021, will you commit to community? Will you be someone who's committed to community? You fight for these gathering times and you love one another to worship together, to pray together, and to serve together as we pursue love and desperately go after those spiritual gifts so that we can build up the church. When you go all in, God always provides. So will you take the next few moments and respond with us? Let us know how, uh, how we can connect with you. Let us know how we can pray for you. If you're someone who's been a part of Branch Life Church, but you've never become a member, you've never joined the team, you can go to branchlife.com and you can click on the core team tab. You can look at our small group options and see how you can get greater connected and you can continue to worship with us on Sundays. And next Sunday, we're going to talk about the all-important practice and rhythm for your one. How do we see other people know and come to Jesus? And if today you have never yet made the decision to become a follower of God, God is inviting you into his church. The way that you get in is you become a believer, a follower of Jesus. And if today you're ready to make that commitment to follow Jesus, to be all in for Christ, you can simply in these moments now pray to God. You can pray a prayer like this. Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner and I believe that you sent Jesus to die on the cross for my sins and he rose again from the dead. I want to become a follower of Jesus. I want to become a part of the family of God. And if today you've accepted Jesus for yourself or if you have more questions about that, you can go to the gospel tab online and you can see more about what it means to follow Jesus and let us know that you've made that all-important decision to be a part of Jesus Christ. We're asking God to build his church in 2021, and we'd love for you to be a part of that next season of the church. Next week, we're going to be in our final episode of our Rhythms series, so come back and join us for that. And we hope that today you've strengthened your connection to Christ as we've learned about the all-important rhythms of church in our lives. Thanks for joining us, and have a great rest of your day.